This is another original OFM podcast. Right, we're having a chat to Professor Willem Landman, Executive uh, Committee Member of Dignity South Africa. Good morning. How are you? Morning, Peter. I'm very well. Thanks for the opportunity. Great, great. Good morning. Uh, first of all, let's kick it off. Euthanasia, uh, assisted dying. What exactly is it? Peter, I think it's very important that we understand from the outset what the context is when, uh, in which assisted dying is contemplated. It is contemplated where a patient or a person is competent to make a choice about his or her uh, medical treatment, uh, makes a free choice, in other words, expresses a preference, and in the context of extreme suffering, what we call intractable and unbearable suffering or terminal illness. So those are the conditions uh, under which we uh, talk about assisted dying. And then that person would ask for help and to, to, to hasten his or her death. Um, and and, and uh, what follows, the assistance or the help that's given to that patient can be of two types. So it's, it's called assisted dying. And the first type is what is called assisted suicide. Mm. And that simply means that one person supplies the means to another person who self-administers those means and then dies of a consequence. Mm. Uh, the other form of assisted dying is what we call voluntary euthanasia, and that is when one person supplies and administers the means that cause death. So there's uh, a clear a difference. There's a clear yeah. difference between the two. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a similarity in the sense that the person dies uh, uh, as a consequence of being as a consequence of being assisted or helped. In other words, mm. you, you you can't do it on your own, or you choose not to do it on your own. You want a proper means. You want something that will be effective, uh, that will help you to hasten your death in these tragic circumstances. Mm. But they differ in the sense that the very last act in the causal chain that leads to 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 death is either. The, the patient who dies himself or herself taking the final step, in other words, ingesting something, for example, or the other person uh, uh, performing the final act, for example, injecting somebody. Mm. So, so both these acts are currently illegal in South Africa. However, they, it's legal they, in many they, other countries. Oh, yes, they, they are illegal in the majority of countries in the world. Um, they're certainly illegal in South Africa in terms of our common law, but mm. that's exactly the, the point, that we have a, a constitution that was adopted in 1996 with a Bill of Rights, which changed the landscape uh, of, of, of our legal situation. Mm. And the question is, uh, does the constitution and do the, the, the rights in the, in the Bill of Rights of the constitution entitle us, uh, if we so choose, to be assisted to die uh, with dying in these dire circumstances. Mm. That's exactly where I want to go. What's the main reason why South Africa hasn't decriminalized euthanasia or, or assisted suicide for that matter? Because it's already 20 years ago that the South African Law Commission has submitted its final report on, on end-of-life choices to Parliament. Where's the process currently of getting assisted yes. dying in, decriminalized in South Africa? That's a, that's a very good question. I can, I can think of a number of reasons that uh, would explain why there has, nothing has happened in spite of the uh, 
you know, the new constitution that we had. The first, I would say, is, is uh, the political power of, or the lack then of political power of people who choose to uh, request assistance with dying. In, a, in other words, they, they, they are a group without political clout. Unlike, for example, women, uh, when it came to termination of pregnancy, uh, that legislation was passed very soon after the first democratic mm. election. Now, women form more than 50% of the electorate. So they they are a uh, you know they are a power block, as you would say in the case of labour rights uh, etc. Now the people who die have no such equivalent power. So the one is political power. The other one is just a lack of political will. Uh, the parliament just didn't take up this report that you refer to. That mm. was that was by the way mandated by uh, requested by President Mandela, mm. and he expanded the scope of that. Uh, South African Law, Law Reform Commission to include all decisions around the death and dying, you know, withholding or withdrawing treatment and advanced directives and management of pain that may hasten death, etc., and including assisted dying. So uh, it's just the parliament just lacked political will, and I can only speculate about that in many senses. Parliament uh, is dysfunctional and it has other priorities and agendas. Mm. And then there was an interesting reason, and, and for 10 years, uh, uh, Minister Manto Chabalalam Simang, the Minister of Health, sat on this report and did nothing. And repeatedly she was asked, and one journalist eventually apparently found out that uh, her reason was this this would be medicine for the wealthy, for the rich. So up to now, it's Which just gone nowhere. <laughs> it's gone nowhere. It, 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 it's, it's gone nowhere. Nothing has happened in Parliament. Mm. But obviously we hope that something would happen if Parliament is is nudged by uh, the you know the constitutional court or the supreme court of appeal as as it happened in Canada two years ago. Mm. You know, nothing happened in the Canadian Parliament, and then the Supreme Court of Canada decided by a majority of nine judges to, to zero that Parliament must enact legislation. It's not for the court mm. to enact legislation, but the court would say there's a problem here in terms of our constitution, and Parliament should rectify that by passing legislation, which which is. is exactly what happened in the past two or three years mm. in Canada. Chatting to Professor Willem Landman, Executive Committee Member of Dignity South Africa, about euthanasia, of genade it, as we know it in, uh, in Afrikaans. Now, if successful, what sort of time frame are we looking at, taking into account, of course, that the process has already started 20 years ago? Well, there was a court case, the Strangham Fort court case, where Strangham Fort was granted permission by the North Hartang High Court to uh, be assisted to die. That was taken on appeal to the Supreme Court of Appeal in Bloemfontein and the, by the Minister of Justice and the Minister of uh, Health and other, other bodies. Uh, the appeal was upheld. In other words, the, the, the court said that such a major change actually requires not an urgent application, as was the case with Sanson mm. Ford, but a case that brings all the arguments to the table. So there's a new case. Uh, uh, a case management judge has already been appointed again in the North Harting High Court um, and this is a case where two patients, the one uh, uh, with terminal cancer and the other one with motor neuron disease and they asking the court to be to be assisted with dying legally mm. and and um, we, we believe that even should they die in the process, because that's, you know, that's always the problem. The court cases take long and there are appeals, etc., and the patients may die, that the, the, the principle of the matter will be discussed by the court. So 
we hope that this would come to the court. As I say, the case management judge has already been appointed by, within the next six months. But then, you know, the party that loses may appeal, and it may appeal to either directly to the Constitutional Court or to the Supreme Court yeah. of Appeal, and from there to the Constitutional Court. So I would, I would guess we're in for a two-year process. Goodness uh, me. You just, you just mentioned the Department of Health. Those opposing assisted dying, is it individuals opposing it, or are there institutions or organizations opposing it? Yes, there are. Uh, uh, institu- the, the, for example, Doctors for Life is a group mm. of, of, of doctors, uh, and they, they oppose it. And then there are people in the um, palliative care uh, context, uh, people you know, in hospice who believe that we can, we can treat patients uh, by simply relieving their symptoms and that there's no need for such a choice. So there are groups that oppose this. And by the way, the Minister of Health uh, you know, is on record saying that you know, all these choices, all our medical choices are for the doctor to take, mm. which is in complete contradiction with the, with the National Health Act of 2003, which, which is that we, we can choose the medical treatment we want. The question is, is would, would we be able to choose in terms of the Constitution yeah. this kind of exit uh, in dire circumstances that are irreversible and where we suffer terminally? Mm. I've gone through your website, which is dignitysouthafrica.org, and I read through tens of letters from South Africans who have gone through extremely traumatic experiences witnessing their, their loved ones in final days, final weeks, even final months. And some of those experiences were so traumatic in terms of the pain and suffering they witnessed. But the fact is, here in South Africa, you're only allowed to see it through to the end, whenever that might be. That that is true. You know, the context, again, is the background is that we will all die. Uh, Dying is, and and ultimately death is a part of life. We have finite lives. Uh, Although life is good. You know, it's, uh, our bodily life is the precondition for everything that we value, like friendships and, and work and, and nature and enjoyments. But there comes a time for some of us where uh, death is actually a good, where mm. death, death is preferable to life, because of life is consumed, as you say, by, by, by suffering. Mm. And um, at the moment, we have to endure that suffering. And, uh, of course, people would argue that we can alleviate that suffering, even if it goes to the extreme that the only way of alleviating our suffering is putting us under terminal sedation so that we then eventually die a natural death of of hunger and starvation. Mm -hmm. um, And and some choose not not to go that route. Um, Sometimes people have a stroke, for example, and and, and they lose all their upper brain functions, but their brainstem functions, and and it it keeps their uh, breathing and their circulation going and they may, may be in that state for you know for six months mm. uh, and, and and they have no other choice but but to you know to well we can we can terminate treatment but the point is that often there's a there's a desire to have term, you know treatment because of the suffering to have it mm-hmm. uh, you know treat, treatment uh, certain form of treatment that would hasten that would hasten death and this is exactly where the phrase dying with dignity comes into right yeah there's an argument by a former uh, constitutional court justice uh, Laurie Ackerman which argues that the basic most basic right in our constitution is the right to dignity uh, even the right to life uh, is not a right to to simply biological life uh, it's it's a right to life 
with a certain quality, in other words, a certain dignity. And if that is taken away, then everything is taken <coughs> away from us. So uh, asking for to be assisted with dying in those dire circumstances is asking to have our bodily integrity, another uh, constitutional right, uh, our freedom of choice and our dignity respected. You're listening to OFM, The Sound of Your Life, your weekend breakfast, having a chat to Professor Willem Landman, Executive Committee Member of Dignity South Africa. It's all about euthanasia and genade it, which we are seeing a lot of in the news lately. But I'm sure in the countries where assisted dying is legal, there must be very clear guidelines between the possible misuse of assisted dying and the proper validation thereof. Absolutely. It doesn't happen haphazardly. It happens under controlled conditions in the jurisdictions where it is legal. Uh, these guidelines uh, are safeguards to, to make sure that, that uh, assisted dying is not abused. For example, you, know, you, you have to be uh, competent to, to make a request to be assisted. You have to make a request that's, that's clear, uh, that's rational. You have to repeat that request, either in, uh, orally or in writing, after uh, the lapse of a certain period. Two doctors have to make a determination that you have just caused to, for, for that request. You must always be given the opportunity to, to revoke that request. And then the, uh, these cases should all be monitored, monitored and reported on. And a very good example of, of these safeguards or guidelines being implemented uh, meticulously is that of the state of Oregon in the United States. And that's what we want to, uh, we want to follow that route. Almost lastly, almost lastly, and I'm oh. going to open a can of worms here, but what are the main reasons of those opposing assisted dying? I think there are three main, main reasons. The one is a religious reason, a religious argument, mm. which says that human beings uh, should not uh, make decisions about life and death. Uh, no. The time don't have that control, and it's God who decides. Uh, the problem with that is obviously that we do all sorts of uh, we make uh, all sorts of interventions that do exactly that. You know, when you uh, administer uh, antibiotics or you uh, have open heart surgery, you decide that this patient should not die of of, of these natural causes, mm. but we should intervene and lengthen life. That's the one. It's a religious argument. And just, by the way, many theologians disagree. I mean, the Archbishop of Canterbury and, and, and uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, uh, they are foremost theologians who support this. So religious interpretation may differ for different people. Mm. And, and uh, the second one is that it may be abused. In other words, that there may be bad consequences. There may be people who would be assisted with dying uh, against their will. Now, that is uh, obviously addressed uh, in terms of, of applying the safeguards. This is not a principled objection to it. It's simply we have to look at the facts. And if we have a practice that's abused, uh, we, uh, that could be abused, we must have proper safeguards. Uh, and we do it with every social practice. I mean, we, we, we don't abolish the driving of motor vehicles because some people drive, uh, are drunken drivers and they kill other people. We try and control that. Yeah. Now, with any practice that can be abused, but we have the example of Oregon where there is no abuse. And the third and last reason I would think is that some people think that doctors are there to, their duties and their obligations, their responsibilities are to save lives and, 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 and to alleviate pain. Um, they, are, they should not be in the business of helping people to die. Now, the obvious answer there is that 
uh, we, well, our lives are finite. And the question is, what are the duties of doctors when, uh, when death is inevitable, when death is near, and when suffering is great? Very lastly, where can mm. we follow Dignity South Africa and uh, what can the normal guy, like me, on street, do to support the cause? Well, uh, obviously to take cases to court, um, you know, like with any organization, we need money. And, and, and one can, if, if, if people want to make a donation, they can go to the website. It's clear how they can, how they can do it. But also by contributing to the website, telling their stories and in conversation. That there's a, you know, I think it's very important that there's a public conversation as a background or the backdrop to court cases so that uh, the, the, the wishes of the public are, are expressed and known. And, and we notice certainly a shift towards, towards support for our cause because people, uh, because of the, the Internet, people know about issues that have uh, previously been hidden or not spoken about. And they see what people are going through and they actually support them. Uh, and I'm, I'm absolutely surprised that even even people, you know, that I would have thought are much more conservative and would not support this. When they understand what's happening, they support it. So I think to answer your question, go on the website and see whether you want to make a contribution uh, and, and simply help the public discourse where, where, where we have the possibilities to do that. And that website is DignitySouthAfrica.org. Is that right? Uh, www.dignity yes, I'm now Peter now you're asking me but, but if you fill out uh, in, in your search engine Dignity mm. South Africa or Dignity, dignity SA you will get, get to the website yeah definitely yeah. get there Professor you Willem Landman oh, thank you so much this was a super super chat thanks for joining us right here on OFM your weekend breakfast uh, of course Professor Willem Landman the executive committee member of Dignity South Africa good luck with, uh, with the course and uh, we'll definitely chat to you soon again thank you Peter once again thank you for the opportunity thank you so much keep well bye 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 that was another original OFM podcast OFM the sound of your life